Hello there and welcome in to the Career Competitor Podcast with me, Steve Meller. And as always, we are the show that seeks to light that competitive fire within you in order to jumpstart or optimize your career. Really excited today to have a conversation all about wealth and our legacy. Finances are very much at the heart of what we're talking about today, but all from a competitive perspective as we welcome in the CEO of Wealth Legacy Institute, Kim Curtis. And I'm going to give Kim the introduction that she certainly deserves here in a moment. But before I go ahead and do that, let me tell you all about careercompetitor.com. Head over there right now, take a look, have a nose around, see what maybe stands out to you because I'm of the belief that anybody listening to a show like this is curious about reaching their potential, realizing your optimal self, being able to say, hey, I'm looking in the mirror and I'm striving towards my best self. If that sounds like you, you and I should be speaking as soon as possible. Reach out to me for a free 30-minute consultation at steve at careercompetitor.com and we'll get something on the books today. Furthermore, you're listening to the podcast already, which I obviously appreciate, but while you're here, make sure you are following, subscribing, rating the show, whatever platform that you're listening to is on. It really goes a long way to continuing the growth of the show, so I'd really appreciate if you could do that. But for now, let's turn our attention to our guest for today, and as I said at the outset, Kim Curtis, the CEO of Wealth Legacy Institute, joins us today, and Kim is very much a story of someone that went from small beginnings to truly realizing their potential, deciding that there were circumstances within an industry that she was not comfortable with and she wanted to make a change. She wanted to set a standard, be the difference that maybe others weren't able to be. So with that being said, she started out on her journey creating Wealth Legacy Institute. And as you're going to learn here within our conversation today, so much of what Kim represents and stands for as a human being is what drives the mission of her work and of her company. Within the world of finances and investing, there can be this sort of dog-eat-dog mindset. It can be very competitive. And there's, in many ways, nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, it's holding on to the ideals that make us the people that we are, that make us able to look in the mirror and be comfortable and satisfied with who it is that we are. And Kim does that in abundance. And you're going to hear about that story through the first half of this interview. And in the second half, she's going to be dropping some really great advice for how you can become competitive when it comes to your finances. But so much of it comes back to communication. How much are you willing to have these difficult discussions with those that are near and dear to you that can be the beneficiaries of the way you set up your wealth and set up your legacy for the future. So I'm excited to get into this. It's very relevant to what we are as a show simply because first and foremost, Kim's story is that of a true competitor, someone that has realized her potential and the impact that she can have. But secondly, this is something that can make you competitive within your life. If you're listening to the insight and the knowledge that Kim is providing to us within this episode, you will go away from this in a much stronger position, not just within your career, but in life as a whole. So with all that being said, I'm excited to welcome in Kim Curtis to the Career Competitor Podcast, and I hope you all enjoy. Well, it gives me great pleasure to welcome in Kim Curtis to the Career Competitor Podcast. And Kim, on this Wednesday morning, where we both are, uh, first and foremost, how are we doing? Ooh, very good, very good. How can we not be on hump day, right? There it is, right? You make you make hump day what you want to make it, and, and we're coming into this with uh, you know excitement and energy, and uh, I'm I'm just very 
me personally, I, I always love hearing from people that have very much forged their own path. And, and, and so much about your story, Kim, that I'm so excited to get into here is about an individual that frankly has, has forged their own path. And, and you've created so much of the success that you have. So before we start to maybe rewind a little bit and bring people up to where you are today, why don't we start with exactly that, where you are today, what it is you're doing today to so just introduce yourself properly to all our listeners. Yeah, happy to do that. Thanks. Um, so I am a CEO of a wealth management firm in Denver, Colorado. And we are a fiduciary firm that primarily deals with individuals and families nearing and transitioning into retirement. And the nature of my work, it's, you know, money, money is a stressful thing. Mm -hmm. And so to get people through that transition and then after retirement, you may have all the money in the world, but have a failed retirement. So how do you transition into retirement and still have success and impact and legacy or all the things that you want to do that? defines it as successful to you. And so we help navigate that path. And, and it's a little harder than one would think because a lot of people think, damn, can't wait till I get to that day. Right. And then all of a sudden, you know, the lazy, three months later, they're bored to tears. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's a great it's, job. Love what we do. Yeah, well, I, I love it because there's this there's this uh, perspective almost as, as opposed to seeing it as a transition, almost like a renewal, you know, just an opportunity to truly renew where you are at that point in your life where so many people see it as like this is the the end of the road and now it's time for me just to sort of pull off to the side and and relax and do whatever you're talking about why can't we talk why can't we frame it as almost like a renewal would you say oh that's really great you know you think of serena williams who yeah. just recently stepped off she didn't say she's retiring she said right. i'm evolving mm -hmm. And yeah. I think that's a great way to look at it is evolving or reimagining or you finally have this time to do something that you really, really, really love mm -hmm. versus, quote unquote, working for the man or doing these things for someone else. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're both singing from the same hymn sheet already. Uh, I love it. A couple <laughs> minutes in. So uh, that's great stuff. So, Kim, let, let's let's go back now very much to the beginning of this journey of where you've gotten here, how you've gotten here today, because the, the beauty of when I get to interview someone is I'm already been made aware of some of your backstory and I, and I can sort of lead the conversation in that regard. But I know so much of what you've done, like I, I said at the outset, you know, you forged your own path. And But a lot of this and based on this show with all about this competitive notion, this competitive mm -hmm. perspective that I, I truly believe that we all have the ability and, and in some cases are doing so, approaching life this way without even knowing it at times. So much of your story resonates with that message of being competitive and really betting on yourself almost to a certain extent. So I would love for you to very much start where you feel it's maybe right or applicable to start and maybe walk us up to this moment here where you've, you've created this business of where you are today. Sure, sure. Um, you know, that's a broad question. Sure. I appreciate that. But, um, you know, I played sports in high school and college. Mm. And I, I believe it or not, I played basketball. You know, all of 5'3", but I was very fast and oh. had a great outside shot um, and then softball. And, I, you know, it's so funny when we think of the nature of our work and how we show up. I think it's easy to forget what we learn from sports mm. that we're bringing it in every day. And I think one of the biggest things I think of is resiliency mm -hmm. because a woman in financial services as a CEO of a wealth management firm is, is quite rare. And so, and I also have a legal background. So it's like my left brain 
uh, got highly developed in, turn of, in terms of my qualitative skills, quantitative skills, and my right brain in terms of relationships and uh, creativity, I think for a while, um, I used to say I, I got neutered on my right brain a little bit. But as I got older, I started to figure that out. And so I think as a woman being in a profession that's primarily male, particularly in finance, um, I think that there's less than 25% of us mm. uh, in the nature of our work. And I think what happened along the way is when I was trained, I felt like the conversation didn't resonate with me. That whole money conversation, if you think about it, it's actually kind of the construct is actually kind of um, masculine based. You know, when you think of capital markets and and the conversation about GDP mm-hmm. and inflation and interest rates and Federal Reserve, those really don't necessarily resonate with a lot of women. Mm-hmm. Um, they really care about their family and their goals and their cash flow in terms of groceries and what's on their plate um, and the success of their children going to college. So the idea of blending that, because you need both, you need yeah. harmony yeah. of both. So to blend that, I think is what allowed me to understand it and and allow our firm to be unique and successful. Because when you think of the nature of how we show up, um, it's really that the best the best story always wins. <laughs> it's so true. And uh, you know, one word there that stood out was this 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 idea of harmony. You know, this idea of really being able to say, listen, there's there's space for maybe there's space for some of those so-called historically known male qualities within your industry but at the same time it's like how how is it that a a, a woman can come in and say listen i I see all these ideals i see all these principles that have made this industry what it's been for 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 centuries but Mm -hmm. here here i am deciding that I, i i have a take i have a take of my own and i think i can actually not only bring it but i can actually be successful with it and for for me that's what i love about a number of the women that have been on the show over the years is this notion of saying, I, I see the situation, I see the world that I'm trying to get into, but I don't see enough of me. And I'm, I'm very, <laughs> and I'm very much driven to bring all of me into this world and not have to give up who it is I am, what it is I am, what I stand for in order to be successful. So I'm curious, when you look at that, the, the, the story of creating that harmony with where you are today, what did you what was the first step in that process what was the first step for you in terms of really moving into that world and saying if it was if it was a matter of hey men i'm here and i'm doing it and this is what it's going to be or you know just sort of walk me through walk me through that immediate decision and and some of those early actions i guess it 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 actually was steve relatively immediate um I remember one day I read the back of an investment a client investment statement and it's where the disclosures are and at the time, it was eight pages, um, but it was two to a page. So four pages of tiny, tiny print. Mm. And I read the whole thing. I'm embarrassed that it took me a while to read it with my legal <laughs> background. Um, and I'll, I'll never forget the, that as I read it, all these disclosures on conflicts of interest, uh, 12B1 fees, trade fees, uh, separation fees, uh, all these fees coming out and, and and the role that I played and a tear kind of streamed down my cheek because I had realized for the first time that, that I was not a fiduciary that had to put clients interests first 
I was in sales. Interesting. Now, obviously, people in sales that work for brokerage firms or banks want to do the best work. Of course they do. But the structure is set up difficult, where the clients are oftentimes further away versus front and center. Um, it's, It's similar to like when you go to a grocery store and the items on this shelf are eye level. Well, they pay more to be at yeah. eye level for you. Right. And right. that's what happens in brokerage firms and banks is mutual fund companies, insurance companies pay more to have access to the brokers um, and the agents. So when I read that, I, I couldn't be there anymore. I, I It was just like a disconnect of my soul. Mm. And so I wanted to create a firm kind of filled with humanity that put clients first, not last. And that's when Wealth Legacy Institute was created. And that was 15 years ago. I, I absolutely love that story because it, the, there's the human element and the professional element. The, the human element first in terms of just that almost shot to your core and that, that realization of just like, this is this really what this is? Is this really what this is? Is this really what I'm a part of? And then the professional mindset of like, how do I change this? How, how do I make that shift now that I have this emotional connection to be driven to make a change, the professional hat must immediately be, be put on and say, okay, how, how do I make the change now? How do I do this? How do I create this entity? How do I create this company in a way where I get to embody these things that I know I represent, that I know I stand for? And then this is the next part that I'd love to learn more about is then handling the resistance maybe, maybe within the field once you've made that decision in the first place, how was that received initially? How much did you have to deal with when it came to actually taking that concept and running with it and how your competitors maybe heard about it and dealt with it, et cetera? Yeah, you're going right to the core. Uh, well, that's what we do on this show. It's all about the core. Let's go. <laughs> right to the core. Uh, yeah, so in the nature of that transition, you mm. cannot let your existing clients know. Mm. Uh, it's part of your agreement with that firm, with the brokerage firm. So, so you have to go silent. They cut you off. And then what happens is all your clients get called by who you thought were your friends or colleagues, and they tell your clients that you've been terminated. Mm. And it is the most terrible thing. And again, wow. that's the legalese part of the business. Mm-hmm. But the human element of that, to have clients be put in the middle of that typical piece of how that occurs when someone leaves. Mm-hmm. And so it's a two-week quiet period. And it's like a feeding frenzy um, with your people you care about. Sure. Um, so that's kind of what happens and it was terrible. Uh, uh, I would have to say that was probably one of the most difficult things I had to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really wasn't about me. I, I could care less about the termination, how they described me leaving. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I cared about was the concern for the client, the fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's I, terrible. It, the I industry know. is terrible how that does that, but Yeah. No, um, it was the fear for them of how scared they probably were in that time. Yeah, and that is so. Poor, you got me. <laughs> yeah, well, no, and I, and I'm, I'm I, again. I so, sometimes we do get on these topics that really do hit home to the person that I'm interviewing, and uh, you know, for I, I don't do the video of this, but it's you, you know, you're you, you're getting emotional by as we talk about this because yeah. of the human yeah. element, which 
immediately puts you in this upper, upper, upper echelon in terms of the industry that you're in because you are truly able to look past the paperwork, all the rules, all the regulations and see a human being on the other side of the table having these conversations with you. And I, I think that is one thing I've been very proud of within this show over the last four and a half years is that I bring those types of people onto this show. I, I, I want people to hear about your story. I don't need people to hear about the average story of creating <laughs> these businesses. So I, I want you to understand that, Kim, is that this this is what separates you in terms of what it is you're doing. But I'm curious, what it, what was it about maybe your upbringing and the person? And you touched a little bit on that your your sort of early days of uh, of competitiveness, you know, playing sport, playing mm-hmm. basketball, and all this mm-hmm. kind of thing. What was it about those early days that maybe created this personality within you, this competitor within you, to mm-hmm. to want to take action? Because that's the difference here. You're not yeah. sitting here noticing something. You're doing something about it. So I'm curious, where do you feel as though that part of your personality originated from? Mm. You know, I'm not, I'm not afraid of pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm stress in the nature of capital markets and the work that we do, I can handle stress pretty easily. Mm. Um, and I understand, and I, you know, this is also big entrepreneurial. Um, when you play sports and you get, co- and even as an adult and you get a coach, Mm-hmm. Um, to be able to handle criticism, you know, constructive criticism in a way that that allows you to improve, I think is really, really important because as entrepreneurs, it's up to you every day to show you can't have a bad day because it affects your income. So it's not like working and you still get a paycheck whether you choose to to work that full day or not. But as an entrepreneur, if you're not growing, you're dying. And so how do you stay A plus? How do you up your game? each time and i think that that probably as an athlete well there's no doubt as an athlete some of the the confidence uh, the ability to handle constructive criticism and the ability and also being a team player i i play team sports yeah um and so creating a team around you and allowing them to shine and putting them in places that allow them to do their best work uh, i'm not threatened by any of that so mm. our team is is a plus because the way they show up they're they're allowed to lead uh and and i don't need to be that front and center it's fun sometimes sure Mm -hmm. i have to but i think more than anything i you know as a captain of a a lot of those sports that i played i I can inspire really well Mm. you know i i could get i can get the team back on track when you know we have a bad player or something doesn't work in our favor yeah I, I, you know, I, this all resonates with me because I was that same team player. And what I, one thing I do here as well is that, you know, you're not talking about the, the points that you scored or the rebounds that you got or anything like that. You're talking about how the team performed, how you were able to influence the team, how you're able to bring the best out of those around you. And I think that has obviously is serving you so well at this point and, and, and through some of those significant transitions in your, in your career as well and it's it is something about this this show that's always fun to see where your roots began when it comes to those sort of things and I'm, I'm really curious as well you know something that you're really alluding to here is that of collaboration what does it's always a topic that i like to get into like what what does what does typical collaboration look like within the world that you're working within now yeah oftentimes it's other practitioners 
mm. uh, estate planning attorneys, insurance professionals, uh, the tax uh, CPA. And so our job is to actually coordinate that team and allow the client to kind of be the, the head uh, and still in control. Because I think what happens is there's language in all of those industries that alienate uh, clients, uh, make them feel uh, not very smart. And, I, you know, and so our job is to explain as we're all at the table and paraphrase so that the client one stays at the head of the table in control. They have all of their team members present, but to translate what the other practitioners are saying so that the professional feels like they understand and they're willing to take action. Because if you think about the nature of work, I mean, people don't do anything unless they have sufficient clarity. And without sufficient clarity, they're not likely to make decisions. And then when they don't make decisions, they're not going to get the results and therefore not going to be on track for the things that are most important to them. So by navigating the language for clients is probably the and making sure it gets done. Hmm. The action, um, I think, is our biggest work as it relates to collaboration and also inner family conflict. Um, I think that when a couple is in front of us, oftentimes the conversation for the first time is that the spouse is hearing how the business is going inside. You know, oh, that's what's going on, honey. Uh, oh, good. It's a good year. Or he's finally hearing what her real dreams are because she has a place, a safe place yeah. to talk about it. And I think for many, it's the first time that they have a shared vision. I like that. I, and that in itself, I think, is big. I mean, it's huge. I mean, it's huge. And what you're doing so well through the collaboration, you're able to identify who, who, the collab- who we need to be focused on through the collaboration. And that is such an important thing because sometimes we collaborate. There's this big push today like, hey, work together, work as a team. That's great. But if we don't know who the true stakeholder is if we don't know Mm -hmm. who the person is that we're supposed to be serving then the collaboration is always going to be limited or in many ways it's even going to be false it's going to be false in the sense of we're just working together for the sake of working together and here you're able to say here's the priorities you know navigating the language taking action make giving people this safe space like this this is the priority so now our collaboration is going to Mm -hmm. serve this priority so that the client is benefiting and we're obviously then doing our job um, as the company that they're, that they're hiring. Now, this is great stuff. And, and I'm, I'm sure people can tell that I would love to just kind of keep going and keep going and keep going. But I, I do want to give you the opportunity to talk here a little bit about both of your books. Because for me, I think that there's some really awesome opportunities here for people to learn more about who it is you are and what it is you do, especially through this first 20 minutes or so we have a great idea of who Kim is. And, mm. and, and so I'm, I'm really excited to sort of give you the floor now. And uh, whichever one, we've got money secrets and we've got retirement secrets. So I'd love for you to kind of give us, yeah. you know, your, your quick spiel on both of those books just so people can be more educated about them. Oh, I appreciate that, Steve. Thank you. So Money Secrets, Keys to Smart Investing is really a quick read. It's only about 120 pages of true meat that that is kind of your armor so that when you go and interview financial practitioners, like you stay in control. And at the end of each chapter are questions that you should be asking yourself or that if you do have a financial advisor, they should be asking you. So, and it also um, talks about kind of how to invest. Uh, the industry is filled with myths. Um, 
investments are relatively a commodity. And, you know, when we hear about trying to pick that individual stock, you know, kind of hit the home run, you get a lot of strikeouts. Um, mm. That's not actually how you create significant wealth. Um, it's really more hitting a lot of singles. To, you got to get on base mm. um, to finally get a home run. And so if you take investing as something that's, that's not sexy and have it more as a globally diversified, low-cost indexing type investments with science, then you're likely to have an end game that's more in line with you. Mm. And Money Secrets identifies that. It talks about what that investment process looks like, again, for you to stay in control and know that it kind of pulls back the curtain on the billion dollar financial services industry to reveal why smart people make bad investment mistakes. Yeah. And then Retirement Secrets is really about when you step off, how do you live those next 30 years? Yeah. I love it. Well, you'd be crazy not to get both, right? You have to get both. It's a two-parter. It's a two-parter, people. Come on. Let's, let's figure this a out. A doubleheader. A doubleheader. Doubleheader. I absolutely love it. And obviously, the just throwing in more sport analogies, too. I'm all about it. Uh, this is great stuff. So I, I'd love to just expand upon this now a little bit as well in terms of bringing everything about your story here, the competitive mindset, how you've shaped and guided yourself to where you are today, and then now looking at this notion of being able to truly plan for life, uh, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the life experience that comes one, mm-hmm. once all said and done and you've made that decision like, hey, this is, I think this is it. What are, your, what are your main go-tos? What are your main encouragements that you make to people when they're in that moment, when they're thinking, listen, I think this is it. I think it's time for us to start having these discussions. What do their priorities need to be in your opinion? Mm, that's an interesting question. Um, it's 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 not investments, believe it or not. Yet yet we lead with investments. It's so interesting because there's no amount of rate of return that can create an extraordinary life. Yeah. And so by putting that into its proper construct, it's a lot easier to unpack, to figure out what's missing in your life, what what have you done really well, and so. Actually, the best way to explain it, Steve, is is if I could do a pyramid, kind of similar to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So yeah. on the bottom is for Maslow is, you know, your basic food and clothing shelter. And at the top is self-actualization. Well, in our firm, the bottom is investments. People come to us to manage money, tax mitigation, portfolio construction, risk tolerance. Above that is financial planning. You need to have both of them because, and they have to be blended together because if you just invest, it's like archery without a bullseye. Hmm. You have no target. So the plan puts it in perspective, particularly when markets are doing this, you need to know what's the real goal. Mm-hmm. And then above that is, is um, lifestyle. If you, money is frenetic and it's crazy. So if you can put money down as a foundation, all of a sudden you have the space to breathe and think about lifestyle and live your life and do mm. what you love. So that's where you get peace of mind when the, the, the investments in the plan are together and you have a track to run on. Mm. So there you have peace of mind and the pinnacle, the pinnacle of that because you have peace of mind is impact. It's you finally have the space to breathe, to do the things that you love, to live the life that you've always wanted to live, to volunteer or do different things that make a difference to you and the world. That's what we do all day long. 
that's why I love what we do. And that's why I didn't do well at that other firm or in the beginning of my career in finance, because it, 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 it never aligned. Yeah. It was investments. It was whatever. And it's like, it just didn't add up. Yeah. And, and, and it was in many ways a loaded question for me because I, I wanted you to sort of provide this type of information for people to hear because this, this is the stuff that we forget about. And here I am in my mid to late 30s. And I, I know that our listenership is sort of, it starts around that sort of age group and it goes for about another 20, 25 mm-hmm. years. So we're, we're working in that sort of range. Yeah. So th- there's people now around my age that are probably thinking about investments maybe for the first time. My, my wife and I, fortunately, I married a, a lady that is so much more organized than I am that we're years ahead on this stuff. And I, <laughs> I, I, I trust me, I know I'm, 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 uh, I'm doing well in that regard. But in, in the sense of people listening to this, the peak of that pyramid is dependent, obviously, on so much of what you've talked about there through the foundation. But that doesn't dismiss the importance of prioritizing the peak of the pyramid. Mm-hmm. And, and that right there is, is, is just simply not discussed enough. It's, it's not. It's not prioritized enough. It's not discussed enough. And I'm all about the optimal self. I'm all, the, the, the clients that I work with today, we have business owners of 20, 30, 40 years. And, and you know, one day they're not going to do that anymore. And I love challenging mm-hmm. saying like, how happy mm-hmm. and excited are you about the impact you can make when you do walk away from this business? And, and you've alluded to it right there at the pinnacle, at the peak of that pyramid is this notion of impact. And so, I mean, I, you obviously said it there, like, you know, that's what you love about what you do today. Mm-hmm. But I'm, mm-hmm. I'm curious, I would love for you just to keep going with that notion of just like, how it feels, what it looks like, like this impact that you're having on other people's ability to have impact. Yeah, I, I feel like, you know, I, the, the example of throwing a stone in a pond and seeing the ripple. Yeah. If you think about financial literacy, it's not taught. And so the nature of my work, if we help people feel confident about money, men and women, hmm. Uh, generally, it's the men that do the investments and the, and the woman lets the man do the investments and she manages the house and the cash flow. And he doesn't really know what he's doing, but he pretends he does. And, and she thinks everything's under control and it's not. And, and it's a shit show because yeah. no one really talks about money. Yeah. I mean, we want to because money's pretty sexy and fun, sure. but we oftentimes talk more about sex than we do about money. <laughs> and so if we could have really great conversations around money. Think of how much better we would be in the world. Think about our culture and our societies and our communities. If we put put money in a place that was proactive and we understood how money works. I mean, if you think about it, money needs you. Mm. It's not the other way around. Mm, wow, that's powerful. Because yeah. money's nothing. It, it, it's nothing without your ideas. And your energy and your values of what you put to it to make it worthwhile and make it something beautiful. Hmm. Gosh, I mean, I, I, I almost don't want to go too much further because I think that's a message. <laughs> that's a message that people need to hear loud and clear. My goodness, yeah. uh, you know. So, because yeah. for me, for me, the perfect example of that is the way in which my wife, prior, my wife and I, we prioritize specific things within our lifestyle. And the, the number one thing for us is travel. Mm-hmm. Travel is right up there. It is such a priority for us. I'm from the, I'm from Europe originally. She believe it or not, she's from a tiny town in in uh, in Louisiana. But she's seen probably more than Europe than I have. And, and we have two <laughs> kids now. And for us, for us, 
the priority, quite frankly, for our two children is for us to instill what that looks like to them. If it's not going to be travel, that's fine, but they're not they're not going to be prevented from making that decision because we're not willing to sort of grant those grant them those opportunities, especially mm-hmm. if we have the means to do it. But the only mm-hmm. way we know if we have the means to do it is by discussing money, discussing these sort of things, having these conversations week in, week out, knowing what our goals are. And at the same time, to your point, you know, just simply being able to understand that, you know, it is us, it is us that gives it the definition, that gives it the meaning mm-hmm. um, yeah. behind it. And and Kim, honestly, I mean, the, the passion that you have for what it is you do is just okay. flying through this computer screen at me. And I hope it's, I, <laughs> I hope it's, I hope it's felt through all the audio of, of, of what we have here. Um, but before I let you go, Kim, please just share any any connect any opportunities to connect with you any information you think people may need to learn more about you and and, and all the stuff that you provide yes um so wealthlegacyinstitute.com is mm-hmm. uh our advisory firm and there's lots of resources at financialliteracypress.com financialliteracypress.com are some free resources uh that you can get um the 10 laws of money that everyone should know, I believe is there, which is really a great piece on money uh, that I think would be extremely helpful to a lot of the mm-hmm. listeners. Mm-hmm. And then I'll just end it that, uh, Steve, especially with what you just said, I just want to end it that there, you know, how you do money is how you do life. If you have your head in the sand around money, you have your head in the sand on other issues in life. And I hope that as a result of us talking today, that more people will show up with money and and whatever the myths are or whatever the beliefs you have from when you were raised or how you were up uh, your upbringing uh, to really challenge those assumptions uh, mm-hmm. as to why you are showing up that the way you are around money and and really move forward differently if that's the case. Yeah, that's a great sentiment and so much of what you're saying. There's almost this glass ceiling that some people need to sort of smash through and get mm-hmm. their head around. But the beauty of this is you're hearing this from a person who's made a life for herself in her industry of smashing glass ceilings and, and really paving her way and doing what it is you're doing. Thank and you. Kim, I, I consider this an absolute, absolute pleasure to have this opportunity to, to be able to speak with you here this morning. And uh, just thank you so much for your generous time, your insight. And I, I know people are going to be impacted by this content. So thank you again. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. And my thanks again to Kim for joining us on the show today. Really just valuable insight, powerful stuff in the sense of hearing a story of someone who was true to themselves in a world where they felt as though they couldn't be. And they decided to create a world where they could take all the skills and education that they had and start it somewhere else, start a new path, set different standards, proved that certain ways and philosophies could in fact be incorporated and i just really appreciate the the transparency the candidness even the vulnerability from kim at times uh within this episode because it's never easy to relive some of this stuff from the past and and be able to use it as such valuable resource to people listening that either may be going through it themselves or may one day go through it themselves and how best they can potentially overcome similar situations. So again, my thanks to Kim for 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 providing that type of insight for us today. But my my parting my parting insight from our conversation has to come from this quote that she provided within the discussion, which is, "If you're not growing, you're dying." 
And it sounds quite abrupt, very intense. But at the same time, that's kind of what we're about as a show. You know, that's what career competitor is. Striving towards the optimal self. The irony of it is that we never, we never really get there. We never get to the best version of ourself, in my opinion. In terms of our true potential, we can always be striving and working towards it. Always leaving room for growth. And when you look at both Kim's perspectives from a financial side and also just from a, a human side... You can tell that whether it be professionally or personally, she is constantly striving. She's trying to grow. She's willing to make herself uncomfortable. She's willing to welcome things into her sphere that challenge her and leave her with really no other choice except accepting and embracing the challenge and growing from it. So that is what I just love about that quote of, if you're not growing, you're dying, is that it spoke to me massively. I I hope it speaks to you that's a great place for you to be in. It's a great place for you to be in. It's a great place for you to wake up every single day and be in a mindset where we say, hey, there's opportunity for me to learn today. There's opportunity for me to be challenged today. And there's opportunity for me to grow today. So again, so thankful, so appreciative and consider myself just so fortunate to have uh, you know half an hour or so of, of Kim's time. And I really encourage you as well just to pay attention to some of that information that you can go and access online specifically the uh the financial literacy press.com just go into something like that learning about 10 laws of money we can all stand to do that right so again thank you kim for your time really appreciate it i hope you appreciated it as well and as always i love saying this because it's so true but we have so much more to look forward to within the show the episodes are going to be keeping on coming the interviews are just out of this world you know, this is the fifth year now that we're now into with this show. And I just know that every single year we keep doubling down on the quality and saying, how can we make the show better? How can we challenge the boundaries and the ceilings of, with which we have conversations? And we're doing it. We're doing it and, it. and it's so much fun. And I appreciate my guests so much for what they bring to the show each and every time. And I hope you do too. And if this is the first time that you're listening, be sure on your way out to be subscribing to the show, following the show, rating the show in order to continue boosting the show as well. So my thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to doing this all again with you very soon. Bye for now.